Hi, my name is Jamie. And I'm Mel, powered by extra strength cough medicine. <laughs> and this is Murder Erotica. Scissorp! <laughs> How you doing, Mel? Oh, it was fantastic. How do I sound? You sound sultry. Thank you. I The tea, the scissorp. I'm having a problem with my depth perception, and I can't figure out whether it's the decongestant like nasal steroids I took or the beautiful little bottle of purple liquid that's really been keeping me going this week. Hi again. When you were talking about that all this week and about like how great you were feeling and stuff like that, and I literally like I had to go pick up my prescription, which I ended up skipping on doing. But oh no, I but I contemplated while I was working today. I was like, what if I just get some Nyquil? Honestly, <laughs> I I didn't realize until now why people take sleeping medication and abuse it. Yeah. Like I have now learned why because goddamn it's it's the inner hug it comes from the inside. I love fighting left. off the sleep. Like you know what I mean? You're just <gasps> I like, love it too. Yeah. I was trying to play my my little gem game on my phone. I'm like just one more level girl you can do it. You can do it. I'm like no 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 no. It's taking me it's taking me down. Yeah, don't do drugs everybody. Yeah, yeah, I know this isn't a PSA. It's very bad my liver does hurt. Oh no. <laughs> It's I'm fine. laughing. I don't know why. I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh no! <laughs> All we can do is laugh in this strange, strange world. This strange you know world full of purple syrup. I thought of you today. Um, so on the radio on Shea one hundred six point one or whatever, rock and uh, roll. Yeah, rock and roll, classic rock. Um, they were doing a uh, a thing because today was like the second month, twenty second day, two thousand twenty two, and it's also a Tuesday. Yeah, so. it's like the only time in our or the last time that most of us listening, not to yeah. make this morbid, but uh, the only time our generation, the final time that we will have a date that repeats itself in all six digits like yeah. that, like a two, 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 whatever the fuck is happening today. I so. was hoping the MOAS would happen, but no. I guess fucking not. Fucking not. But anyway, so they were pl- doing this thing and it was like spin the wheel and they were like just giving people prizes. Like he gave somebody like 222 toonies. Stop it. And then like they were giving two tickets to like different concerts that were going on around. Mm-hmm. And like to get to spin, you had to like uh, – write text them and write in why you deserve to whatever and i i texted and i was like i'd like to spin the wheel on behalf of my best friend mel who lives downtown specifically in the area of kent and wellington she went through mm-hmm. a week of hell when the honking first started with the trucker convoy she was then cooped up in her house for an additional couple of weeks because she had been harassed within the first week and didn't feel comfortable going anywhere. I was trying to like pull the sympathy card a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, but so you should I, though. I've been a mess. <laughs> oh, I know. So I'd like to do something special for her, either with a bunch of toonies or with a concert or with whatever oh. else you're willing to hook us up with and treat her because she literally went cuckoo bananas from lack of sleep and she needs to get out. Yes. I love that. You're like, I'm going to take my friend who's been riddled to death with noise and take her to a concert. <laughs> 
<laughs> we just bring you and put like those like noise cancellation headphones yes. and you just sway back and forth on the yeah. scissor rip. Yes. Oh my God. That actually sounds fantastic. Yeah. So I'm excited because we're easing <laughs> back into our regular format. Um, yeah. So we're a little late on our True Crime Tuesday, but listen, we are taking baby steps back into yeah. posting our two times a week. And I mean, I think that we're doing a fucking fantastic job. Like, I commend us. Back. Exactly. Really. And I mean, you're literally probably hallucinating right now and won't remember this recording. So thank you oh, for I coming. I love that. Thank yeah, you for showing I, up. I can't wait to listen to this and be like, oh, damn, bitch showed up because I wasn't there. You're going to be like, what a great story that person tell all that to me. <laughs> The voice came from within the body, uh, <laughs> whatever this voice is. So um, we're doing something a little bit different. So last week I had actually mentioned I wanted to do something more on the supernatural and murdery side. And then we joked about, oh, yeah, like, I mean, most ghosts end up or at least the ones that haunt, end up coming from murder. And I found a really fun yeah. story. So that's what I'll be doing tonight. And I'm going to start it off with the usual, like, paint a picture of the times. Because, like we said, when it happens in the 1800s, it doesn't count. Doesn't count. You know, I, I lo really love that you're doing something spooky because I know, like, you really, really always want to do something spooky. And I think that because ghosts all, like, evil ghosts and stuff that mm -hmm. haunt things, they definitely all go based off of either murder or true crime or, like, something fucked up. Yeah. So it still goes with the murder erotica. Oh, yeah. I won't tell a story <clears throat> if it doesn't involve the murder. So, yeah. But this is definitely something I'm going to be... Murder. I'm going to get, I want the ghosts. I want the ghosts. The ghosts are joining us. I love that. And I love that it's your turn because that means I can smoke marijuana, <laughs> which I already started. Are you sitting on the floor or are I'm you sitting, sitting on, on a high floor. level? Okay, good. S sitting on the floor. Oh, <laughs> that was the fucking rum and what else? Wine. Not the, the weed. rum wine. And the, you said you were pouring whiskey, but we ended up finding out that that was never real. Um, for anybody new Wasn't to the podcast, whiskey? Jamie did a backflip and kicked everything over while we were recording and we kept it <laughs> in. And which episode was that? That was one of the eroticas. I think the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Butt Plug, baby. Yes, that sounds right. <coughs> Excuse me, everybody. I usually mute for that. Yeah, you didn't have the time. I should be the one coughing. How dare you take my one personality trait away from me? Oh, I'm sorry. You got to start smoking more weed, Mel. You know what's working, though? Benelin is the reason why I'm not coughing right now. Benelin, please sponsor us today. Thank you. Uh, you know me. I'm all about that Neo Citrin. Fuck, I love Neo Citrin, but it's just so warm there. and happy in my belly. Oh, it feels good. It feels I accidentally good. I have Neo Citrin in my cupboard, and I think I've used like one of them because they're like non drowsy, and I'm mm -hmm. like I don't care for this anymore. <laughs> like I, I don't, don't want I'll the just flavor. Stay sick. I'll just stay sick. Yeah, yeah, I'm not here to drink it for the flavor. Well, uh, that's what I do is I basically put myself in a coma whenever mm -hmm. I get sick. So I don't have to like live through it. And I just like sweat underneath like 10 blankets and yeah. then drink water and sweat and take more drugs. And I'm good. Yeah, to yeah, more vitamin C. I, I was actually thinking about it too. I'm like, what would we do if we didn't have pharmacies even just hooking us up with like the little stuff like you would do what i'm headaches. doing for my business <laughs> yeah that is true salves <laughs> an apothecary yeah but back in the day they're like here's the morphine cocaine heroin drink it will cure the ghosts in your blood I, yeah probably death <laughs> you got ghosts in your blood you should do some cocaine <laughs> about it 
<laughs> I know. Let's go back to that time. Let's Are you go, ready? Are you I'm ready? So I don't know anything about what you're doing tonight, and I hope I don't know about it ever. Like, you all. end up being like, I've never heard of this, and then halfway through, you're like, I remember, and this That's, is what happened. <laughs> yeah, I cut you off. You just fall asleep. I'm like, I'll take it over. Yeah, it's I'll fine. take it from here. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Mm. All right, so. West Virginia has always been known for its scenic mountain views, as well as a unique history. We're turning the clock hands back to the late 1890s. Did I say that date right or did I sw- swap it? I'm like, the late 1980s? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we were born. Yeah. <laughs> so the 1890s, where the coal industry was booming, unions for miners started foundations across the state to support this lucrative resource. The faculty at West Virginia University votes to allow the admission of women. Yay. The Huntington Herald begins publication. Who will make sandwiches? Yeah, right. <laughs> so the state seems to actually be progressing quickly, and it even passed an act establishing the West Virginia Colored Institute, which was a college meant to provide education to black students. So the haunting Victorian times are nearly drawing to a close. So it must have been a shock that the supernatural would soon find its way into the West Virginia law books during a trial that would essentially contain the testimony of a spirit. This is the tale of the murder of Zona Shu, the Greenbrier ghost. <laughs> Yay! I didn't even hack up a lung during that. You know what's really weird is like as you were saying that, I was like, oh my god, I think I know this, but it's because I just watched The Last Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Mm. And it was one of the first, um, it was like the first, I think, maybe. Uh, haunting or like possession that was used as a, like a defense in court. Wow, that's because, so like, creepy. The kid was like possessed and then killed somebody. Yeah, 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 they had to prove they had to prove like that Ed and Lorraine Warren who were like the real people mm-hmm. they had to uh, prove it. But yeah, so that's played by that one actress and your boyfriend Patrick Wilson. Oh my hubby! <laughs> um, and they made him extra old in this one because it's like mm-hmm. going into like the later. It's like in the eighties, so he like, okay. looked extra zaddy, which I like. Oh god, he had a little <laughs> bit of like a, a humpback. <laughs> She walked with a little bit <laughs> yeah. of that little hiccup in the step. Yeah, he was in it, but yeah. Anyways, I think I was going to say something, but the weed took over. Yeah, it's gone. The it's wheel. gone. Okay, well, let's jump into uh, 1896. It's actually summertime, and a mysterious man named Erasmus Stribling Shoes strolled in from the hills of Pocahontas County. He left his home in Droop Mountain in favor of the small, sleepy town five and a half miles from Lewisburg called Livesay's Mill, and it's a little farming town in Greenbrier County. It was said nothing particularly out of the ordinary ever happened here. The seasons were hard, and the people were even harder working. (laughs) So Erasmus was said to be tall, dark, and kind of handsome. That's the best name ever. Erasmus, right? I love it. I'm going to post photos on our Instagram. You'll find where to go there on our show notes. Um, but I found he kind of looks like a young Crispin Glover mixed with Rafe Fiennes, Ralph Fiennes, however you want to pronounce Voldemort's mm-hmm. muggle name. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll let everybody else be the judge of what I they think wait. about this man. 
Anyways, Erasmus is a blacksmith, just like his father, Jacob, uh, but he was actually more of a drifter by trade. He only worked when absolutely necessary to fund his traveling lifestyle. And now he's looking to settle down. So he reaches Greenbrier. He takes up a job at James Crookshank's blacksmith shop, which, I mean, of course, the guy's name is James Crookshank's. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Um, So... (laughs) He wants to fit in his new community. So instead of introducing himself as Erasmus, as much as we're like that name fucking rules, he starts telling people his name is Edward. But the town folk come up with their own weird nickname for him. Uh, They start calling him Trout. And I don't know if there's something fishy about him, but it ends up sticking. So that's so funny. I wonder if it's because his his D is as big as a (laughs) trout. I oh, know. I thought you were going to go with the smelling aspect of that. Oh, his D <laughs> smells like trout. That too. <laughs> oh, his, I would have just trousers. like, his name is so cool. Like I've only heard it once another time was in an audio book. And I remember okay. being like, I want this. T- like I want to have a kid just so I can name this. Or like I need to get something, some kind of ridiculously adorable, like non-threatening animal pet. Yeah. And name it that. Like, so just like Erasmus. It's so Erasmus. But I'd call him Raz. That's what the nickname I'd go for. I'd be like, yo, call me Raz. Or Mus. Yeah. Or Raz. Or Air. Or Razam. <laughs> Razam. <laughs> I just think it's so funny how he goes from like this crazy, like, so I just burped. It was just the scissor coming back up. So this crazy <laughs> name, like Erasmus. And then he's like, ah, never mind, I'm Edward. Never mind, I'm just Ed. And they're like, no, I you're- think we will call you Trout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking your trousers stink like trout, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Fisherman. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, right? So a month into his new life in Greenbrier, Trout meets a farmer's daughter named Elva Zona Heaster. And I think I'm pronouncing that last name right. Um, it's H-E-A-S-T-E-R. So it could be Heaster or Hester. I'm going to go with Heaster because I'm going to pronounce all the letters. Was everybody back in the day a farmer's daughter? Like, that's just literally the title. <laughs> Every woman who gets married is a farmer's daughter. <laughs> You've never been more right in your entire life. Like, that <laughs> statement rings so true. It's always it's always the farmer's da- daughter had to be married off, too. But she's genuinely a farmer's daughter. So to family and friends, she went by her middle name, which was Zona. And that is what I'll be calling her. She was born around 1873. You can't really know for sure with the records back in those days, right? No. Uh, her dad was named. Her dad's name was Jacob Hedges Heaster, and her mom was Mary Jane Robinson. She was the middle child with four brothers, and all were raised in your typical God-fearing farmhouse near Little Sewell Mountain in Greenbrier County. So, like I said before, there's not much known about her life because, like, the 1800s, guys. Yeah, for sure. Those those records turned to dust years ago. Oh, yeah, the paper did not last. Mm-hmm. They should have ordered from Dunder Mifflin, but they didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, the only records that we have are ones that maintained in historical vaults or libraries. I think mm-hmm. I even read that some place that maybe had more information burnt down regardless we've got what we've got um and even more so because this story was passed down a little bit like a folk tale mm-hmm. so it's like that's good for me 
I like that because then that, the they add in all the fun things that make it extra exciting that might not be true, yes. but it's funner. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Who needs fact? Yeah. So <laughs> I Googled know- it. Okay. <laughs> it's on the internet. It's on one website that I went to the University me, so to of Twitter. I went to the University of Trout. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. No, I was gonna. I, I was taking a hoot, and I was like, I yeah. can't laugh, or I'll choke. <laughs> I can't laugh, or I'll choke and die. And this will just be a podcast where two people cough at each other. <laughs> so Zona was a well liked resident of her little town, being the only daughter amongst four rowdy boys. She was the apple of her father's eye, a sweet and well mannered child. Although, by the time she reached adolescence, at least for that time period, she was considered to be a bit of a free spirit. So, that could mean anything about a woman in, like, the 1800s that wasn't taking her, like, right place in society. But I think I know how she got her reputation. So... According to a record on Ancestry.com, in 1895, which is about a year before Trout came into town, she actually gave birth to a child out of wedlock, a boy that she <gasps> named. Clutches pearls. Right? <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> wow. So she named this boy Heaster Woolridge, and there is basically less than zero on what happened to her son. My guess is he was put up for adoption because the Heaster household like wasn't barely getting by as it was. And there are zero records or mention of him going forward in the story. And it probably would have been in the best interest of the family to kind of shush up Zona's pregnancy and the baby altogether to not risk the potential of her being married off in the future. Yeah. So um, additionally, wow. Okay. Surprise. There's actually not much known about the father either. I found one source on gothichorrorstories.com that alleges he was a boozer named George Woolridge and the little boy Heaster was the result of a little moonshine encounter in the back of a horse and buggy. So this George character, like most from his era, uh, he allegedly barely had a penny to his name, no job. And according to my source, my source, because I'm a detective now, uh, he actually doubted the child was even his. So that goes to kind of create an idea of Miss Zona back in the late 1890s when why she had that stigma kind of Sounds about like her. a good time. Right? Moonshine, horse, and buggy. Yeah. So regardless of Sounds who the like baby's- a David Wilcox song. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Find one and we'll link it in our show notes. So you you oh, can I listen will. to river it in the background. Fantasy. It's yes. on. <laughs> Literally. Moonshine, boat on the river, buggy. <laughs> so regardless of who the baby's father was, I'm actually assuming he either didn't want to be involved with the child's life or he just didn't know about her pregnancy but a fun little tidbit that i learned from gothic horror stories like their website is that ancestry.com offers a free subscription for anyone who can find where zona's child went i thought you were about to go into a commercial i'm like when did we get sponsored oh (laughs) ancestry.com sponsors today (laughs) <laughs> Could you imagine if this episode leads us to get sponsored by Benelin or Benadryl or whatever the fuck I mentioned before? Oh, and now you just lost it. <laughs> Can't even remember. <laughs> oh, two competing companies. Com- no, you, you, whoever comes up with the best offer. Yeah. You, it'll you, be you. Hit us up. It'll be you. We'll, we'll change the name of the podcast. <laughs> Benelin <laughs> Encounters of the Fourth Kind. <laughs> Benelin uh, moonshine buggies or 
I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Benadryl, <laughs> whenever you can't find a knife. I don't know. Because <laughs> you drill into like, you know. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Instead Benadryl, of- when the hammer is too far away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. It's fine. It's going great. We need to so, make a horror movie with a uh, the main like villain has like a hand that's like just a drill or actually that makes me think of Puppet Master. I think that there's like a puppet in Puppet Masters that has like a drill head. Yeah, and you just like yes, there is him, and then there's also uh, the Driller Killer in uh, what are the sleep sleep sleepover massacre? What's it called? Sor- sorority sleepover massacre. Whatever the one was, the guy with the guitar, number yeah. two. Yeah. Um, uh, slumber party. Thank you. I'm like, sleep away, murder time. I pillow. only know because I went by it on Amazon the other day on Prime. I was like scrolling through and I was like, ooh. And I oh, remember. Can't you get it on the shutter? I reactivated mine. Oh, no, I don't have the shutter unless I saw it on Tubi, but I swear I just oh, saw Tubi it. Oh, Tubi has it. But I don't Tubi know. Tubi has like, it. I for sure, like, I didn't click on it, so I wouldn't know if it was on Shutter because you have to click on it for it to say you need mm-hmm. to rekindle your romance with this subscription. I know. I cancel mine, and then I always restart it. I know, because like, I want to watch one movie. <laughs> one movie. One <laughs> movie. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, it's a mess. Anyways, Instead of renting to- it on, like, fucking YouTube. Right. I'm YouTube just, for like, $44? Oh, Fuck God. It. Yeah. So back to the present time of 1896, Zona was quickly infatuated with this mysterious trout who was about 10 years her senior. So about this time, she was maybe 23 and he was maybe 34 or 35. Mm -hmm. But they met the afternoon she and her family strolled into the blacksmith shop and allegedly she returned on her own that same day to tell him she was into him. And he seemed to fancy her, too. I'm going to pause so I can cough. So, allegedly, she returned on her own that same day to tell him that she was into him, and he seemed to fancy her, too. And because, I don't know, late 1800s, things moved quite quickly, from a whirlwind courtship to immediately wanting their own home and life together. So, after dating for barely a year, they were married at the Methodist Church on October 20th, 1896. And they seem to be really happy and in love, but Zona's mother, Mary Jane, actually openly disapproved. She disliked Trout from the day that she had met him, and MJ claims that he was the devil himself, that there was something (gasps) odd about him, and she didn't trust him at all. Oh my God. Sorry, I I, I don't want to be that person, but like I feel like I know something. (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to be that person, but like, I like it when you are, yeah. but don't say anything, but just won't. hold it in. Just hold but it I in. But I think I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can let me know when, it, like, when and if you feel like you're getting there, or if things are right. But we'll I could see. literally be mixing up a whole other story. So who knows? You watch so much murder, ghost, death. Yeah. Everything. That's all I watch. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I know a story about a guy. Who had a ghost inside yeah. of his devil. Yeah. Devil. Okay, sorry, keep going. Yeah, it's all good. So despite her mom's loud objection to their union, nothing was going to stand in love's way. And the newlyweds move into a two-story log log cabin together about 14 miles from Zona's family home. Um, It's on the other side of the Sewell Mountain, uh, which, I mean, like, even if it's 14 miles away, if you have to cross a mountain, come on. 
Like that's, yeah. I feel like that's farther, but whatever. Anyways, with their fancy new digs, they begin to set their roots, and they even make great friends with their immediate neighbors. Uh, the names are Martha Jones, known lovingly in the town as Aunt Martha, and her 11-year-old son, Anderson, who many called Andy. And they had a great relationship with the shoes, and Andy was actually often hired to do weekly chores around the shoe household. So this was extremely helpful because just after the new year, in January of 1897, Zona became really sick, which for the 1800s is a big uh uh-oh. Like Uh we were talking about before, like off recording, I think. Yeah. Where I was like, I feel like if somebody at this time period got sick with what I have today, they would die. Yeah. And then I said, and then if they got like a fucking cut on their, or like a mini stab in the shoulder, Mm -hmm. they would just rot and die. Yeah, basically, like, if you weren't completely healthy all the time, it was death. Mm-hmm. Have 12 children. You have to. Yeah, Because half of sure. them ain't going to make it out alive. Oh, it's true, though. <laughs> yeah. So, Dr. George W. Knapp was the local medic in this new county, and he looked after her for a few weeks. So, the cause of her illness was never officially put on file, or it kind of was. I can't confirm Some say it was generic female trouble, but there was rumors. I don't like that's literally what I think some records were shown or what it was. Yeah, just generic in in quotations. I have female trouble. So there's rumors that must have been on her period. (laughs) She was a woman, generic female trouble. (laughs) So. There were rumors that Zona was pregnant again, so maybe this was the reason why she and Trout hit the chapel so soon after they met. But regardless, her husband was always extremely attentive to her needs, and he made sure she received the best care under Dr. Knapp. So, I mean, he looks like he loves her. Yeah. For now. So January 23rd, Zona was still not feeling well. So early that morning on his way to work, Trout stopped by Aunt Martha's and asked if Andy could pop in um, and help his wife with some kitchen work. I think she needed help pickling vegetables or something like that. So, uh, right? Like immediately, I've been watching a lot of uh, a wall of chefs and they always do a quick pickle. And I'm like, I'm very interested in this quick pickle. Like I just want to boil some water and vinegar or whatever, throw this stuff in. We should do a pickle date. I would I love, love that. Pickling. I have so many mason jars. I learned that uh, peaches are great for a uh, quick pickle. There's yeah. something about them that absorb it, and it's apparently really nice. So Ooh. we're going to start our own cooking show. Tune in to Murder Kitchen. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Um, Murderata Cooking. Ooh. That was okay. Um. I don't know. Yeah, right? Uh, you know what? You'll be in the middle of saying something 15 minutes from now, and I'm going to be You're like, You're going to scream it. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait. I'm not even listening to you anymore. Now I'm only thinking about fun names. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> then you won't let everybody know what happens with your fucking smart brain with yeah. all the knowledge inside. <laughs> like I said, watch. If it's not the right thing when I tell you what I think it is, you're going to be like, you're fucking stupid. Okay, I can't wait to see that. I like that game. I really do. I really do. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, uh, yeah, so Andy was going to pop by, help Zona with some kitchen stuff. Uh, and Aunt Martha tells Trout that Andy was actually super busy that day. He was meant to be helping Dr. Knapp all morning with some things, but he would try and be right over as soon as possible. 
Trout seemed very agitated by this, but he agreed that was fine and he headed to the blacksmith shop that he was working at in this new little town, at least for a while. He actually returned four separate times before the afternoon even hit to ask if Andy had made it there or not, and Martha Hmm. replied that he hadn't. So sometime after lunch, Anderson finally made his way across the frigid winter fields. Like, keep in mind, this is late January, okay? The kid's been working. He's 11 years old. Oh, my God. Working all day for the doctor. Then he's got to trudge all the way across the fields, go to the shoe residence. When he gets there, he knocks. There's no answer. He cracks the door open a bit, and he calls out to Zona. But again, there's no answer. Hesitantly, he steps in and he enters the house. And lying at the foot of the second story stairs was Zona's body, stretched out with her legs together. One arm was at her side and the other was rested across her chest. Her head was tilted to one side and her eyes were wide open. Creepy. So I actually have Andy's own words from an interview that he gave to the New York Sunday American paper. I think that he was interviewed by them later in his life because I think it started off with like he shook his graying hair and was like shaken by recounting this. So Andy goes on to say, I can remember it well. It was a Saturday. Mammy told Mr. Shu I had to go to Dr. Knapp's first and finish some work there. He seemed to resent this, but asked if I would go later in the day. Four times he came to the house for me. Each time I was busy. About 1 p.m. he came again and I agreed to run his errand. Going to the house, I felt that something was wrong. All of the doors were closed and there was an air about the place I did not like. Reaching the steps, I saw a trail of blood. That scared me, but I went to the door and I knocked. No one answered. I tried it and finding the door unlocked, I walked into the kitchen. The trail of blood continued across the floor to the dining room. This door too was closed. Once more, I knocked, and getting no answer, walked in. I stumbled over Mrs. Shu's body. There she was, stretched out on the floor, looking right up at me through wide-open eyes. She seemed to be laughing. I was frightened, but still Ah. able to reach down and shake her. She was stiff and cold. Running away from the house, I called across the field to Aunt Martha, Mrs. Shu is dead. So creepy creepy and imagine you're 11 years old you've probably been working from like six in the fucking morning yeah and you finally get out go to this house to help your goddamn neighbor who won't stop bugging your mom to go check on his wife yeah four times suspicious come on sus as fuck shit totally so he's looking for he's like i was here asking (laughs) for the boy to go there i wasn't at home at all I was at the blacksmith shop, and then I was at his shop, like your home, and I was never home myself. I was out the yeah, whole time. Yeah, that's like one of the biggest mistakes is whenever they like a murderer just drives around and just makes sure people like remember him being there, and like he'll be like, "Oh, do you have a clock in here? What yes. time is it right now? Oh, oh three twenty. I couldn't ever make it home in time to murder my <laughs> wife." <laughs> What time is it? 3.20. Oh, oops. Is this my ID with my face and name on it? Wow. I'm called Mr. Robert Brown at 3.20 here at the cafe. Do you have a receipt I can grab for those fries with, oh, with the date and time and my face printed on it? (laughs) Can you sign this for me? Want to take a selfie? Yeah, seriously. Want to take one of those old camera photos where you have to put the sheet over the camera and (laughs) 
a puff of smoke comes out of the top. I brought us cowboy uh, and damsel outfits to wear. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So anyways, back to the horrendous corpse thing that was happening in my story. After bolting out of the house and calling out to his mom, Aunt Martha starts frantically making her way to her son. So they run across the snowy landscape as quickly as they can to the blacksmith shop to alert Trout. And at the news, he lets out a scream. He seems to be in complete shock and agony. (laughs) Exactly. So he seems to be in complete shock and agony. And uh, he directs that they call on Dr. Knapp, who, seeing as this was a small town, was also the coroner. (laughs) So Trout immediately leaves for his home and Jones, the Joneses leave for the doctor's house. Now, winter fields i don't know if they've got horses i think that they're doing most of this on foot but by the time dr knapp was alerted it takes him almost an hour to make it to the home and when he walks in the body is gone and this is where things start to get a little strange so why was she laughing or looking like she was laughing is she a zombie Not quite. I think that that's just the memory of an 11-year-old boy who when you see like a corpse with its eyes yeah, open and mouth agape, sure. you'd be like, maybe she's laughing. I'm trying to make this better. Like, Oh, it's like that episode on Haunted with that creepy clown that like oh, gets God. killed in front of the kids and like follows yes. them home and is just yes. like hanging out there. Oh, I don't like that. That show is I'm- so fucking scary. It fucks with me. Yeah, you've put on episodes where I'm like, thank you, Jamie. I will now be making a million pot of coffees because I will never sleep again. <laughs> yeah. So Dr. Knapp is like, what the fuck? Like, I walk in. The body isn't where the boy said it would be. So he starts making his way upstairs. And he finds that Trout had carried his wife's body up to the bedroom, washed and dressed her, and laid her out on the bed. Which, yes, very strange to us, but it was actually a custom in Victorian times to do this, mm. but not for the husband. It was usually female friends, family, yeah. or women from the village that usually did this. So, yeah. Like, another thing. He would thing, probably say, like, oh, I didn't want anybody to see her like that, and I love her, and my instincts of being her husband, I just wanted to clean her up and make her okay. Right, AKA, like, I want to get rid of all the evidence. Yeah, yeah, like a hundred percent suspicious behavior. But I mean, again, like I think like an excuse like you're saying would a hundred percent fly back then. They'd be like, oh no, that makes sense. That makes also sense. too though, like if she was murdered by him, mm-hmm. why would he, like I guess he wanted her to be found first, but like wouldn't he have already cleaned up anything that was like suspicious on him you know like why did he have to mess with the scene afterwards you'd think that he already like made sure he didn't like leave anything that would point it to him i don't think he's good at whatever is happening okay <laughs> good answer. But, like i think like that is pretty much where i'm at because the f- popping by uh the Joneses' house four times to be like did you go yet did you go yet did yeah. you go yet did you find anything did you see her did you help her like that already is so like what the fuck are you? Don't doing they live for? across the road? Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, like, they live across the so field. So he just kept going home across the road. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just go? Your house is right there, bro. <laughs> I know, I know. It's a fucking mess. It's so like the same like length of walking, if not like fifty like 
like steps more to go to their house instead of yours from your work. <laughs> I feel like back then too is huge plots of land. Like you oh, yeah. really went across a few acres. So he probably would yeah, walk like a- an hour from work to be like, did you stop by? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Like what the hell? Okay. And like, you want to talk about more sketchy behavior. So he prepared her body in a high-necked dress with a stiff collar. Then he (laughs) placed a veil over her face and was sobbing for her to come back while cradling her head. So this is what Dr. Knapp, Mm. the coroner and also town doctor, walks in on. So he tried to console him while also attempting to do an autopsy, okay? It's like very chaotic in this room. This guy's just trying to get his job done. So when he went to examine Zona's neck and head, Trout became very visibly agitated and started wailing way more and louder. So Knapp, who didn't want to upset him any further, left. He didn't find anything suspicious. I know. She was murdered, clearly. Well, he didn't find anything suspicious or of note with the body parts he'd been able to examine. And, I mean, to be fair, he'd also been treating Zona for a few weeks for an illness, right? So he just listed the cause of death as everlasting faint, aka cardiac arrest, which I I'm was like, going to say, like, yeah, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't like she was stabbed and stuff. It looked like she yeah, fell down her stairs, right? Exactly. It kind of looked like oh. she just kind of fell there. And I mean, the fact that she'd been sick for weeks before. Cause of death, yeah. Everlasting faint, though. That is the most beautiful, beautiful euphemism for a heart attack I've ever heard of in my life. Mel, if I die from a heart attack, you need to make sure that that gets put like in my obituary. Everlasting faint. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to sing that too. (laughs) Oh, I just ripped my vocal cords. Okay. So, yeah, he basically stated her heart had failed. So, however, And for reasons unbeknownst to me or many of us, uh, changed it to complications from pregnancy later on. So, oh, I I might circle back to this. I might not. It's not really going to make a difference to us Mm -hmm. at this moment in time. So, Dr. Knapp uh, sent some riders on horseback to the Heaster household to relay the tragic news that Zona... The daughter has died, like their one daughter has passed away. And upon hearing this news, Zona's mother, Mary Jane, stated the devil has killed her. Mm-hmm. So she's already suspicious. On Sunday morning the next day, Zona's body was brought to her parents' home. Like they're working quick over here. So yeah. accompanied by her husband and some neighbors. There they held a wake for the entirety of the day and evening. And this is where Mary Jane noticed the son-in-law that she already despised starting to behave even more unusually. So Trout consistently paced by the casket. He kept fussing over his wife's head and neck. In addition to the stiff collar and veil, okay, get this. He tied a scarf around her neck that many guests noted didn't match the burial dress, which I guess was a big deal. But Trout insisted that this was her favorite scarf and she would have wanted to be buried in it. Like he is not letting the scarf go. Why do you want to make sure that her neck is okay, sir? Oh, do you want to to go further? You want to go even further? So he also props her head up with a pillow, but finding that actually wasn't good enough. He then brings over a folded sheet to further stabilize her head. And he said he was trying to make her comfortable and claim that she'd be able to rest better this way. Like, he's just acting so fucking weird and in front of people. And I can't confirm this, but some sources say that he actually 
remained at the head of the casket, kind of guarding it, and he didn't let anyone near it, not even her mother. And this strange behavior continued until her burial the following day, the Monday, at Sewell Chapel Methodist Cemetery. Mm. So, like, what the fuck is that about? Yeah, I don't know. Back in the 1800s, that shit wouldn't fly. <laughs> like you're supposed to like suck it up and wear your nice outfit and like be like good day sir hello sir. I, I am so sorry about your dead wife sir i know it's a pity nowadays I know, I know. now i like if it was nowadays i could definitely see that like i could definitely see myself being like don't touch sir <laughs> i know but wouldn't you be like like why do they keep stacking her head up as high as it can fucking go with yeah, all of no. these blankets and shit no yeah Anyways, like us. I would be guests. like the little girl from uh, My Girl. And I'd be like, he doesn't even like this or something like that. Or yeah. it's his favorite hat. Or <laughs> I forget the scene. But I know she goes up and just starts screaming and freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those. Or I could go all pet ones. cemetery <laughs> and just like freak out and like knock over my son's uh, coffin. Oh my God. And the dad's like, it's your fault. Oh, my God. That's just. God damn! And a little arm movie. comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an arm and an empty shoe. No, the shoe was full. That Let's shoe. Let's be real. The shoe was that full. shoe. Yeah, that shoe was full. Oh God. Okay. Anyways, like us, guests uh, definitely noted that the widower was acting a bit erratically, which was a huge contrast from his usual calm stoicism. Remember? remember? Did you hear me trying to say? Remember? Remember? Like, I remember. remember. I remember. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Anyways. A French uh, farm remembers. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he was Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome. Okay? He was Mr. Cool, Chill, Vibes, Blacksmith, like whatever. But anyways, everybody just excuses his erratic behavior is grieving because fuck it. Victorian times. Well, good looking was people a- don't kill each other or kill right? other people. That's it's true. Thing. That's a fact. It's a fact. Ask Ted Bundy. Yeah. Oh, God. He looks like a fucking I don't think rat. he's hot, but a lot of people have thought he was hot, which is weird. I mean, for maybe for back in the day, but even then, to me, he just looks like a melted wet rat. He looks like a conservative. Yeah, he does. He really I think does. he was a conservative. It was Gacy I'm not that surprised. was a Democrat or like Republican. And like he was a Republican and Gacy was a, a Democrat. Gacy was probably only a Democrat for the gay rights, and then the rest of it was yeah, very secret, hateful. secret gay rights. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, um, our boy Trout was a well-liked member of the town, so nobody ever considered him unsavory or suspicious, so they really didn't think anything other than he was acting weird because he was grieving. The only person who kept a wary eye on him was Miss Mary Jane. So... After the funeral, when that sheet that I was talking about, the folded one, meant mm-hmm. to prop her head up, uh, it was returned to Mary, and she noticed a foul-smelling red stain on it, and so she began to wash it vigorously. And when the stain would not subside, but it turned the cloth pink, she took that as a sign that her daughter was trying to tell her something. So, I mean, suspicions of the old days. Yeah. But... Of, she was also a very religious woman, so she started turning to her Bible, which she knew very well, and Thessaloni- Thessalonians, which I can't say, Thessalonians 5.17 told her to pray without ceasing. And so she did. For four weeks, she prayed every night that her daughter would return to her and tell her what happened, or at least say goodbye. 
So let's see what happens. On one dark and moonless night, about four weeks after she started praying, Mary was restlessly trying to sleep when a bright light filled her bedroom, but it dissipated quickly. Shocked, but not frightened, Mary continued her prayers. On the second night, the light returned, but this time it didn't fade away. Instead, the room's temperature dropped to freezing and the light began to take the form of Zona. Mary Jane claims that not only did her daughter's ghost take a physical form, but it was tangible and cold to the touch. Like she could actually grab her. She had manifested in front of her. And it also spoke to her. And it told the mother that Trout was a cruel man with a terrible temper. He often abused her. But the evening before her body was found, she'd cooked him a supper of preserves and breads. But that was not to his liking. So he flew into a complete fit of rage. He lunged at her, grabbed her head, and twisted her neck, snapping it at the first joint. So, what do you think about that? Because I got a couple more encounters to go through with you. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Like, why did they fight again? Uh, She made him a dinner. He didn't like it, and something just set him off, and he lunged at her, grabbed her head, twisted it. Like, for dinner? See, that's... (laughs) What were we saying earlier? I'm like, but who's going to make the sandwiches? Mm-hmm. See what happens? Yeah. See what happens? Once those women go to school and start begin voting, goddamn. Yeah. They're going to make you a dinner. You don't like, wait till you figure out why. Like, I'm going to get into it later, but there's a little bit more. Anyways, okay. Zona returns to Mary's bedside for two more nights and repeats the same story. On the fourth night, to prove what had happened to her, the ghost spun its head completely around before disappearing one final time. Oh, why would you do that to me, Zona? I'd be mad if I was her mom. I'd be like, yeah, stop it. She's acting like a normal person. This is freaky for me. I know. I would be... I wouldn't want to look. I'd say, I don't even know how to help you. Just leave. <laughs> like You got to like, go. But like, what is she saying? Like, you know, whenever you think of ghosts, you think of it being like ominous and not talking or just saying like something creepy. But like, imagine they're just like, hey, mom, look what I can do. Hey, mom. La-la. <laughs> A little Reagan moment over here. Yeah. Like, fuck that shit. But, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I just keep burping up scissor into the microphone. Oh, I didn't so, even notice. So, uh, yeah, Mary, I think, believed that Zona kept repeating and repeating and repeating the story, like, for four nights to be like, Mom, like, this really happened. Like, here's what happened. And then, like, not only did this happen, but, like, look at my fucking head. And then she spun it. But, I mean, like, this is what Mary had been praying for. She prayed for four weeks straight with her goddamn Bible. She was like, send Zona to me. Send me an answer. Send me something. I know that there's more than just what it appears to be. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, come on. Now, Mary Jane is fully convinced that of her daughter's murder, okay? So, she begins telling neighbors of Zona's visit. And she said that while she didn't believe in ghosts, she trusted her daughter was trying to prove her death was actually foul play. And her son-in-law was the culprit. So, even though we're still in the 1800s, the superstitions and legends of yore were fading among society. So, most did shrug the story off. But some family members and a few neighbors did feel that Mary Jane's conviction was warranted and that something about Zona's death did not feel right. So, they actually supported her in seeking justice. 
So shortly after the ghost visit, Mary Jane and her brother-in-law paid a visit to prosecuting attorney John Preston in Lewisburg. Mr. Preston was one of the most brilliant lawyers at the time, and the grieving mother pleaded with him for hours. I think they had, like, a meeting that was, like, five hours long. Mm -hmm. Um, She just said, like, please believe me. She recounted the strange suspicions surrounding her daughter's death as well as the behavior of her son-in-law. Uh, but being a man of the of law and reason, he initially dismissed Mary Jane's paranormal experience as just grief-fueled hallucinations. But he did take an interest in the fact that Dr. Knapp didn't perform a thorough autopsy. Mm-hmm. So Preston calls up Dr. Knapp, who admitted he actually still felt troubled about Zona's death as well, He also shared that he was not able to examine her to his liking and that his original COD being a heart attack could be wrong. So both men agreed that looking further into this could prove if Mrs. Heaster's theory was true. And for that reason, John Preston orders Zona's body to be exhumed, something that at that time was fucking unheard of in West Virginia. You do not dig up the bodies. No. Like, they're still enough superstition that once you lay them to rest like you leave them there you know especially in a small town by the mountains like i mean there was a lot of grave robbing going on back there but back then but besides oh yeah nobody gave a shit about not disturbing the bodies when they're like give me that gold ring and that gold tooth i'm gonna sell this skeleton to a doctor school (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna sell this skeleton that's what they did I know, I know they did. I know they did. I'm just saying, how do I get the job of skeleton peddling? <laughs> right? <laughs> it sounds fun and dangerous. Yeah, we need to get Science. like a giant, giant vat cauldron to, you know, bleach and boil the bones. Yeah, well, we'll have to ask Bella Kiss how we do that. Yes. I'm just going to have a pouch on my side where I collect all the gold teeth. Yeah, for sure. Just like Tommy was coins. Oh, my God. (laughs) So the next day, because somehow nowadays, like, blood and DNA sampling takes, like, fucking six years. But literally the next day, President Dr. Knapp and his colleagues, Rupert and McClung, sound like a cool fucking little group there. Preston, Knapp, Rupert, and McClung. uh, They headed (laughs) to Livesay's Mill, and they notified Trout of the scheduled exhumation. The Greenbrier Independent reported that Trout vigorously complained, but was told his presence was fucking mandatory. And if he didn't comply, he would be forced to attend by court order. Like, buddy, you got to show up. So with that, like, I think it's like within the next day or two, the group, as well as the witnesses, Anderson and Aunt Martha, headed over the mountain to Zona's hometown where she was laid to rest. Allegedly, on this trip, Trout claimed more than once, I know I'll be arrested, but they will not be able to prove I did it. Like, come on now. Why are you saying this shit? Really? So on March 9th, at the request of the doctors and law enforcement, neighbors in the vicinity of the gravesite were instructed to retrieve Zona's casket, which they refused until they were threatened by law to do it. So like I said, it was very not custom to start digging up bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when somebody waved a little paper in their face, I guess they did. So they carried her uh, her casket uh, up the road to Nickel Schoolhouse as the doctors prepared for the next few days. When her coffin was opened, doctors were pleased to see that the body was actually in quite great shape because the cold Virginia winter 
I just said Virginia, but Virginia <laughs> Winter had kept it nearly perfectly preserved. That must have been such a bitch to bury out or to dig out. I was thinking the same thing when I wrote that. Like, yeah. it's, I mean, what is it? It's March 9th. The ground is still frozen, baby. I think that, like, some, I mean, I think I... I might just be making this up, but I think that if a bo- like if somebody dies during like certain months mm-hmm. in certain places, that like they just keep the body for like they do, yeah, until they they can just like people put their animals in the freezer. Yeah, no, Joel, you got to wait till the uh, ground thaws just a little touch before you start doing digs. Like, why would you want to double the labor, right? No. So, on court order, Trout Shoe was required to remain in the room as Dr. Knapp began the autopsy. The first round of work was to look for potential poison. So they check her vital organs, they check her chest and her abdomen, but no toxins were found. Throughout Wait, the procedure... how long was she in the ground for? Uh, she died late January, and the, the autopsy was on March 9th. Oh, okay. So yeah, she still had some organs and shit. Definitely. Yeah. They said that her body looked pretty damn good. That's crazy. Cause like, man, I like whenever I watch and like listen to shit, I'm just like shocked at how fast like it decomposing starts. I wonder. Yeah. Like, but she, she like. was basically put in frozen ground yeah. right away. Yeah. So she was kept on ice. Yeah. I guess there's no like bugs down there to eat you. They're all yeah. frozen. Yeah. They are frozen. That's perfect. Like perfect timing for a murder, idiot. <laughs> Anyways. The first round of work, like I mentioned, was to look for poison, and they checked everything, no toxins found, and throughout the procedures, Trout sat nervously on a large box and started whittling at it with his knife. Anderson also sat nearby throughout the entire autopsy, keeping an eye on Mr. Shu. He's just sitting there carving his name into somebody's fucking desk at their job. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? He's just like whittling a desk or fucking a block, whatever, but it's at the school. He's like, Trout was here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right? I didn't do it. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm deceased. So on the third day, the doctor made his way from the torso where he'd been looking for like poisons and everything else to Zona's neck. And at this, oh baby, Trout became visibly shaken because there is no pillow, scarf, or sheet or whatever veil <laughs> to shove to under. <laughs> to shove under <laughs> so Anderson. Um, was quoted as saying, Dr. Knapp was working around Mrs. Shu's head. I could see Shu was getting more nervous. His whittling was not so good. <laughs> Suddenly, the doctor turned to Mr. Preston. They whispered together for a few minutes. Then, Mr. Preston turned to Shu and said, Well, Shu, we have found your wife's neck to be broken. Shu's head dropped. A change came over him that I can't explain, but it certainly proved his guilt to me. The Pocahontas Times, which is like, cancel that fucking paper name, I hope, Mm -hmm. by now. Yeah. They reported that on the throat were the marks of fingers indicating that she had been choken. As if she's still that put together. Wow. Right? They can see the fucking bruising? Yes, on the skin. I want to be buried in Alaska. Or like, wait, no, they get West Virginia. No, I want to go like somewhere where it's always winter, like the South Pole. Yeah, perfect. Mm. Next to Santa. Yeah, bury me with Santa. (laughs) So her neck was dislocated between the 
first and second vertebrae, the ligaments were torn and ruptured, and the windpipe had been crushed at a point in the front of the neck. So, like, that to me, like, minus the neck break sounds like she was fucking choked, because usually they find your windpipe has been crushed. It's so little, it's so fragile. It doesn't happen during a heart attack or a woman time. Womanly issues. (laughs) A womanly issue or falling down the stairs. (laughs) Right? So at these findings, Trout was placed under arrest on site by Sheriff Hill Nickel. Like, it's weird that they're in Nickel School and his name is... Anyways, oh my god, I don't know. it's like Virgin West Virginia, where wherever in the middle or in, in before the friggin' turn of the century, they're probably like all related. They probably have yeah. like, everybody lives on their own street with their own name, just like their yeah. family lives on it. The school's named after us. The bank's named after us. The mayor's named after us. Everybody. <laughs> We're all nickels here. So the authorities accompanied him back to his home at Livesey's Mill. So it's either, I think that they either rode overnight or stayed at overnight at his place. But regardless, the next morning, seemingly in a better mood, Mr. Shu cooked the police breakfast and proudly announced he was ready to go to jail. Yeah. He was brought to the county jail Wait, to wait his they slept over? Trial. Yeah, like that's what, so I read one source that they stayed the night and then I read another source that they rode overnight, got to his house and then he made them breakfast. But either way, he made the cops breakfast. He was stoked. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> maybe he's like, maybe they'll change their mind. When they try my eggs, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess it, that eggs, Benny sucked lemons because he was brought to the county jail to await his trial in June of that same year, which is only a month later. They, like, they've never seen a crepe this thin in their lives. <laughs> The case finally came before the court on June 30th. The little courtroom, which, fun fact, is still in use today, was filled to capacity by neighbors from both sides of Sewell Mountain. Some came to testify, others just to hear Mr. Heaster's ghost story, which by this time had swept across the state. There was no problem securing a jury for this case. Like, let's be real. I would want to be there, too. Yeah. Trout hired defense lawyers William Reekler and James Gardner to represent him in court. Another fun fact, which I'm just throwing out, this is everybody else's research, of course, but James Gardner was the first black lawyer to practice law in this state. So history in the making in a couple of ways. So I'm not going to go through every single detail during the trial, but I'm going to start listing out some pertinent information that really interested me will probably interest you as well. So knowing the defense would try and make a mockery of Mrs. Heaster's supernatural story, in his opening argument, attorney Preston told the jury that the state's case against Shu had proof beyond what they were calling the dream testimony, which would prove it beyond doubt to be authentic. Dr. Knapp, of course, was the first witness called. He talked about the post-mortem examination, finding Mrs. Shu's death had resulted from a broken neck, dislocated so perfectly that it escaped his notice for three days during that initial autopsy. At the same time, the physician pointed out that the break was of such a nature, it could not have been done by Mrs. Shu in a suicide attempt. I guess the um, defense was going to try and maybe say that she killed, tried to kill herself. Wow. Whatever. Just, you know, ruin her name also. Make Ex- her go to hell. Yes, exactly. Like, 
oh my God, everybody's so religious, right? She, on top of her already having a kid out of wedlock, they're like, yeah, and guess what? She committed suicide. Yeah, so let's he's let like, this poor man up. go, this poor hardworking man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, just you wait. So he stated that he had done his usual examination when Zona had initially been found dead, but could not complete it when Trout had refused to relinquish his wife's head, requesting <laughs> him to make no examination of it. And Anderson Jones also testified uh, to the defendant's repeated efforts to get him to go to the house and see if his wife wanted anything. And then uh, Jones told his experience, like I read earlier, of him finding the body. Mm-hmm. It was mentioned how Trout had dressed Mrs. Shue in a high stiff collar around her neck, and then he added the large veil and folded it several times, tied it in a large bow under the chin around the collar. Other witnesses who had been bedside as well as those that were at the funeral mentioned, okay, how Mm -hmm. when Zona's head was not being supported by Trout's ways of doing all that shit, (laughs) especially when transported in her coffin, her head seemed to flop to the side. Uh Additional witnesses testified that when Shu had been summoned to the postmortem inquest, like I had mentioned before, the defendant declared that he knew that he would come back under arrest, but he felt that they could not prove him guilty of the murder. Finally, the star witness that everyone had been waiting for, the elderly mother was called to the stand looking very determined. She told how she had been unsatisfied uh, about the cause of her daughter's death and how she had prayed that her daughter might return from her grave and help her solve the mystery. She recounted the four separate visits uh, made to her bedroom and how the girl described her own death at the hands of her abusive husband. While Preston had been reluctant to have Mary Jane on the stand, because, I mean... People are going to think she's a batshit crazy. Absolutely. Any attempts by the defense to make Mary Jane appear insane didn't quite work in their favor. One instance of their discrediting her story as but a dream led Mary Jane to state... Zona's presence was as real as anyone in this courtroom, and she had never been, uh, like, like I, but she, I'm, like, talking on behalf of her, but yeah. she had never been more awake. She proved that she knew details of the murder no one else did, like where her daughter was killed and her specific injuries. So she had said that the daughter mentioned that her neck was broken between the first and the second vertebrae, or, like, at the first vertebrae, and that ended up being true when the autopsy was done right yeah so here's a little bit of the word for word testimony of zona through her mother that was found in the lewisburg court records it's considered so important that thomas h dennis the then editor of the greenbrier independent this guy printed the entire question and answer testimony that is something so rarely done by newspapers of that time yeah we only get that now where people it's like really a twitter care about- thread Really, we know Twitter. Yeah. So here is what Zona Heaster told her mother. He came that night from the shop and seemed angry. I told him supper was ready and he began to chide me because I had prepared no meat. I replied there was plenty, bread and butter, applesauce, preserves, and other things that made a good supper. He flew into a rage, got up, and came toward me. When I raised up, he seized each side of my head by his hands, sorry, with his hands, and by a sudden wrench, dislocated my neck. Oh, my God. He was going to break her neck. Like, like he... He's just going around fucking using people's head like a fucking (laughs) mason jar. 
But that was what the that was what the ghost told the mother. Oh, okay. I thought this was somebody <laughs> else saying this. It's like, no. so I thought it was like her mother being like, and one time he was at my house and he wasn't happy that I didn't make meat for him. And she came over and just gave me old little fucking. Give me a little twist of the neck, the old little, the old crink of the head. Yeah, no, literally though, I just love that this guy's like, "What? No meat?" and then just twists her Crack. fucking head off her body. <laughs> Crack. So, okay, as if a ghost testimony isn't shocking enough. All right, we're literally getting the verbatim story from a ethereal specter of the night um trout ends up taking the stand and under cross-examination kind of blows the case wide open for his character at least so turns out he had been married before twice actually his first wife had left him because he beat her mercilessly uh some people state that she had been murdered but Mm -hmm. the records prove otherwise she went on to remarry with uh, a child that she was like she had with trout but she took the kid got the fuck out of there remarried the second wife however was a 16 year old girl named lucy ann tritt and like zona they were married quickly and moved away almost immediately after the wedding to the neighboring area of droop mountain that's where he rolled in from to greenbrier Mm -hmm. so uh surprise about six months after their wedding day uh, Lucy wound up dead under mysterious circumstances. So I read two kind of similar testimonies that were given for her death. One was that she fell and hit her head on a rock or two, while he was working on the chimney, Trout accidentally dropped a brick, which landed on her head. <laughs> so prosecutors <laughs> pointed out that she died on February 11th, 1895. This is like, <gasps> first of all, the same year that he went and met Zona, like, yeah. Literally just went on to the other town. And a month Second, after. Yeah. A and year then, later. Yeah. And then secondly, most people don't do masonry work on their chimney during the frozen winter months when you live on a goddamn mountain in West Virginia. Yeah, like, seriously. I was just up on the wintry roof and oh, I dropped a brick on her head. Like, what the fuck is that? Anyways. That's what real men do. <laughs> Hucking bricks. So, uh, eating bricks. There's a lot of eating bricks off the side of a frozen mountain. I'm going to make the long story short. The jury returned a verdict of guilty after only an hour and 10 minutes of deliberation. And the independent paper made their publishing clear. Okay. They wanted to make it clear to everybody. Trout was convicted of the murder of his third wife on actual evidence, not because of a ghost testimony. Regardless, he was sentenced to life in the state prison, but a mob actually didn't think that this was enough. They lynched him? They gathered to try and lynch him in the streets a few days later. So they, uh, the police, whatever, scooped him up by train, got him to the state prison over in Moundsville, where he spent the remainder of his days dying on the 1st of March, 1900, likely of pneumonia. So I have a question for you and everybody out there. Do you think that Zona's mother was a medium or do you think that she could have invented her story to force police to look further into her daughter's death? I mean, I don't think she was necessarily a medium because like, I think she would know that right from other things that happened to her Mm -hmm. in the past. But 
maybe she saw the ghost. Maybe, you know what I would say? This is my new go-to, as you know, is there was like a little like rift in the timeline and she was in the bookshelf. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, she was in the interstellar bookshelf and she was like, I need them to know what happened to me in this timeline. And got him Matthew McConaughey in the goddamn fucking bookshelf. Yeah. Making the watches go all maybe, crazy. Maybe she knew that other girls were going to die. So she was like, I need to go back in time or whatever and tell my family. <laughs> and twist my head around for my mom while she tries to sleep. So anyways, I found the story super interesting, but a couple little tidbits for anybody who wants to look into this more. And mm-hmm. everything is going to be in the show notes. So the West Virginia Explorer site, I will link to it. Uh, has more recorded word-for-word testimonies from the original press articles. And that site I mentioned like six times in here, Gothic Horror Stories, has notable evidence as to Troutshoe, how his character could have been spun into be more of a villain. Like, he's either the guy who had the most bad luck in his life um, or some of the things like were embellished against him, uh, possibly by his surviving first wife you'll learn more about her but it's super interesting and everything will be in the show notes for you guys to review i love because i love ghost stuff that was awesome yay so can you tell me now what you thought the story was gonna be okay yeah i definitely mixed up two things i do at the moment that you said about the neck i remember Mm -hmm. hearing it but i didn't like i don't remember really much more than that And at the beginning, whenever you said the mom was like, he's the devil, it made me think of this, like, probably like a lore podcast or like some Mm -hmm. kind of myth show where like this, oh, it was probably on like, and that's why we drink or something. And they were talking about like something that was old timey back in the day that happened. And it was like, this guy came and like, was playing cards with them and something like that, or I don't know. And then they looked under the table and he had like hooves for feet. And so like, I literally thought he was going to turn out to be the actual devil. Yeah. That's way more in the folklore side of the spectrum. This was more of like murder with a touch of ghost. I like it. But I would love to do more ghost things also. And I'm just going to give like a, preemptive shout out to Jamie who's going to be editing this and has to cancel out all of the weird noises that I've been making with my throat nose and face in general (laughs) I tried to mute myself to cough a little bit ago and I don't know if it caught it or not so we'll see I'm just hoping that my volume is like good the whole time because honestly like I've been moving around so much like just swaying and in and out (laughs) and backwards and forward it's just going to be me being like oh Which goes really, really well with a ghost story. Oh, that's true. I love (laughs) it. That was a good, fun story. Not too, like, heavy. It was the 1800s, so nobody died, clearly. Yeah, nobody died. Nobody died. If it's before 1900s, it's not real. Exactly. Tell that to all the ghosts I'll be telling everybody about in the future. Honestly, like, you know how I was saying... My next story, I wanted to do a survival story. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I'm going to do that because, like, I went on a binge watching, like, Surviving Evil and I Survived and stuff like that. And I realized that, like, a lot of the shit that happened to them is, like, so 
horrible. And the whole point of me doing it was like to be like inspiring. And yeah, it's great that they survived it, but the shit that happened to most of them before it. Oh, Jamie. With, I'm like, you know what? This isn't a upbeat story. Like I wanted. I've left. I survived being like, just like you. I'm so happy you're alive, but oh my God, I am a weaker person. And I'd say just end it. Like yeah. just, just, I just put me. Yeah. These people the are forever. fucking like, tough as hell. Like, yeah. Give me some of that everlasting faint, baby, because I'm not going to make it. Everlasting faint. That sounds like a <laughs> band. I know. That's my new 80s synth band. Yes. Can I join? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Keyboards only. <laughs> Mine's going to have a strap so I could wear it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I fucking love that. Yeah. All right. Sign us off, darling. Now remember, everybody. It's wait, that's so <laughs> I'm so high. Um, just <laughs> here's wishing you much more foreplay and much less foul play, and maybe more benelin cough, chest, and congestion medicine. Ooh. Ooh. Benelin. <laughs>